Hey, this is Nolan North, and you're listening to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Why wouldn't you? Take it from me. Raphael from TMNT. Go back to 2007. We'll save our brother, and then we'll save New York City. Or, of course, you may listen to the Krang. Because the Krang know that you should listen to Turtles. Turtles and Turtle Power Hour. Go listen, Krang. the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. I'm Cody Tuckett. And I'm Mike Templeton. And guys, we're talking some more 2003. And we also have a very special guest on the show today. So we have Michaela here. Hi, nice to be here. So, uh, Michaela, we uh, have been fans of on TikTok, um, where we've been uh, growing our audience there, too. Uh, but Michaela is really cool for doing, like, breakdowns of different iterations of TMNT. And, um, like, the video on relationships uh, was was a good one, too. One of my favorites. Um, but, yeah, uh, Michaela, thank you for coming on the show. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into TMNT before. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, I Both of my parents were really into the original cartoon growing up. Um, they're both like 85-ish, like that's when they were born. And <laughs> That's when I was born. Oh my God. Yeah, they had me a little young, um, but they loved the cartoon and both of them kind of introduced me to it when I was younger. And at first I, I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of fun, but whatever. Um, but as I was growing up, the 2003 show came out and I thought that was really cool. And then I was, I was growing up, I saw more of the like, like I saw the TMNT movie in 2007. I saw the 2012 generation and that's what really got me into Ninja Turtles. Um, and ever since the 20 generation or 2012 generation, I just didn't stop basically. Awesome. Uh so do do your parents know that you're on a turtles podcast tonight? <laughs> yes, yes they do. Awesome. Uh <laughs> God, I'm the same age as your parents. That's great. Um Yeah. So uh so so 2012 is uh one of your favorites? Yes, yeah. No, that's definitely um what really got me hooked into Ninja Turtles. I would probably mm. say that it was the one that I was like really deep diving into. See, that's cool because like we we've talked about it before, like how how 2012 is like that's as much as like influential as 2003 is like I think 2012 like just hit at like the right time to like really kind of reignite a new turtle mania. Um, And it's really cool to kind of have somebody here to represent that because, you know, we're all we're all older. So like growing up with the later iteration um is 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 fascinating to me because like i was kind of in the like the rise community but like i never i like you know a lot of those rise kids grew like that was their intro 
And so I was, I'm just fascinated by that. Um, and kind of watching everybody's journeys as they move backwards, um, into team NT. Yeah. And like, this is, you know, 40 year long legacy. Well, cause I didn't get really into 2012 cause I was just old enough to be jaded about my version of Ninja Turtles and not like the next one, you know, <laughs> yeah. just angsty enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It came out when I was 10. So for me, that was like, the peak age of Ninja Turtles, really, like yeah. that's my Kickstarter, and I was like, "Oh, this is so fun!" And I just like grew up with it. And then as it ended, Rise started, and I was like, "Oh, this is even like I love this," you know. So it just kind of grew with me. Cool. Is 2012 still your favorite? I would probably say yeah, um, but Rise is like a very close second. Okay, tell you, people love Rise. I'm not it's alone. Interesting. Rise is great. I do think 2012 is peak, but Rise is definitely pretty high. That's kind of what I tell people. Like, I think 2012 is what I would introduce somebody to Turtles with because it kind of does cover everything. And then Rise is like advanced homework. <laughs> like you got to you got to kind of already love Turtles. I mean, in my, in my opinion, you kind of already have to love Turtles to really get Rise. Uh, I don't know if I agree. That's debatable. Because <laughs> I think Rise is like is broad enough that it, even if you don't like turtles, I think you could still love Rise. It's also no, I like mean, the opposite of every other turtles. So. I mean, debatable as well. But you know, I mean, but I'm glad I'm glad to have another Rise fan mystical here. Powers, so. Raph's a leader. It's like I mean, they have mystical doing, powers doing in 2003. And in two twenty, you don't get it both ways because I I tell you that Rise is just the fifth season in two thousand three. You're like, no, Keith, it's not, and you can't also say that. I've same. I've come. Yeah, big big I'm coming, lane, I'm, Mike. This is growth. This is growth for me, Keith. This is growth for me. Big lane. Be, so you can't play both sides. Big lane. I I can't be wrong if I do play both sides. So or you're I, just double wrong. I always come out on top if I play both sides. <laughs> anyway, two thousand three is what we're actually talking about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> So what, yes. what, what, are, what are those three episodes? They are episodes four, five, and six of season one. Yep, so meet Casey Jones, oh, Nano, and mm-hmm. Darkness on the Edge of Town. I, you know, pretty good episodes. Pretty good episodes, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no surprise, Spencer likes these episodes. Yeah, what can I say? But Nano, man... I still yeah, get it. Nano man. Mike. Uh, Mike is going to have to really explain himself because I don't I don't get his aversion to it. So uh, <laughs> what were you going to say, Michaela? I was just going to say that I was not a fan of it. Sorry. No, I mean, it. this is always Nano's always kind of been traditionally where I stopped my rewatches for 20 for 2003 because like I just never liked it. Um, and so the last time I tried watching this series was before, um, before I started this show. Um, but wait though, you know, you could like skip an episode, right? Like you could just, well, not if, I mean, yeah, but also like, I'm also kind of a completionist where like, I want to watch all of it, you know? Uh, so that is a plot point. Uh, <laughs> though what I just said about how the last time I tried watching this was before I was on the plat- the podcast. So we'll come back to that. All right. Well, should we uh, 
get into some summaries then? All right, let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it. This is Meet Casey Jones, Episode 4, original air date March 1st, 2003, written by Michael Ryan. So the A plot here is largely the same as Raphael number 1. Uh, from Mirage, the the story me, myself, and I. It involves Raph getting too violent while sparring with Michelangelo and going out to cool off and get some fresh air. Runs across Casey Jones, the hockey mask-wearing vigilante. The wrinkle here is that Casey Jones is actually tracking down the Purple Dragons because of his experience with them from his childhood when Hun burned down his father's shop because Casey's dad wouldn't pay them protection money. So Raph and Casey fight a bit, and uh, Casey winds up running off on a motorcycle. Challenging Raphael to a fight in Central Park on Friday night. The Purple Dragons overhear this, and they plot an ambush. So then the B plot is Michelangelo trying to convince Donatello to kind of retrofit that armored car that they stole into the battle shell. Don tries to get Mike to leave him alone by asking him to hang up their sewer sweet sewer sign. But in the process, part of the wall falls out. Michelangelo finds a secret door, which is an elevator up to an abandoned warehouse. So Raph comes back from fighting with Casey and tells the guys they have to go out and stop Casey before he kills someone. The turtles go topside. They retrofit the the armored car and make it into the battle shell. Then go out to find Casey. At Central Park, Raph and Casey get into a small fight before realizing that they have a lot in common. They're then ambushed by the purple dragons, but the other three turtles show up and help fight off the purple dragons. Day is saved, and our heroes have a new ally. The end. Riveting. Uh, our next episode is Nano. Original air date March 8th, 2003, written by Eric Luke. We open on an ultra high tech lab where a scientist is conducting experiments on a tube of floating glowing material, nanobots. The scientist is disgusted that her invention has developed the personality of a child, so she does whatever it is to this wonderful marvel of living technology. She shocks it and leaves the room where the nanobots make their escape. As the nanobots are wandering the streets of New York, they happen upon Harry Parker, a sleazy pickpocket who just had his latest scheme of selling bootleg robot toys bust. The nanobots surprise Harry and use his busted bootleg toys to build themselves a body, and she fears her newly opened store might be next. Which, of course, she's correct. Because as the turtles have nodded off for the evening, Harry sees a pinky ring that he wants and has Nano break into the second time around. Casey is quickly taken out and the turtles fight off Nano, who's now gathered more material to become a huge temperamental robot. Donatello discovers a piece of Nano that was cut off during the fight, and after analyzing it, he decides that the only possible thing that he can do with this wondrous marvel of technology is to kill it. The turtles follow the power signature of Nano to a junkyard where they take on the now Hulk-busting Nano, where Donatello uses the junkyard's electromagnet to capture it. As Nano fights the magnet, Harry runs over to save his child and shuts off the electromagnet directly over the blast furnace and accidentally kills this wondrous marvel of living technology as it screams for its daddy. The end. And then we conclude with my episode, Darkness on the Edge of Town, I got my summary from the beloved Turtlepedia. This episode was written by Marty Eisenberg, and it aired March 15th, 2003. The turtles are in their lair enjoying some extreme sports when the lights go out. Splinter suggests they go topside to investigate the problem, 
While passing the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the turtles notice some foot ninja breaking in. The foot are trying to steal a sword. They fight it out, but the foot manage to escape with a bizarre sword. The turtles escape when the police come, but grab an insignia from one of the foot's uniforms. They show it to Splinter, who recognizes what it is, but won't tell them anymore and forbids them to dig into it. At Orokusaki's place, he's training with some foot ninja, whom he defeats with ease. Hun then enters and presents the sword to his master. The sword gives off a strange vibration that requires all but Saki to wear a glove when carrying it. After examining it, Saki tells Hun to bring it to the foot tech division. Meanwhile, the turtles are hanging out in the lair when another power outage occurs. Donatello is able to track it to South Street Seaport, reasoning that they were never able to... Reasoning that they were never told to not investigate the power outage, the turtles go to see what is going on. Once there, Donatello introduces his brothers to his latest inventions, night vision goggles and a mechanical flying wind glider. Donnie tests it out and notices a cannon-like device using the sword as a power source as he flies over the East River. Once activated, the device vibrates and emits a beam that pushes water away, exposing the river's bottom. The turtles decide to shut down the device. Unfortunately, Don gets too close to the beam and crashes into the river. He swims to the surface and lets his brothers know he's okay. The, turtles... the other turtles fight it out with the foot. As the turtles battle, foot technicians sweep the river bottom with the beam. When they find what they were looking for, they haul it away in a helicopter. The technicians attempt to shut down the cannon, but the turtles interrupt. A blocked laser causes the cannon to go out of control. The laser strays away from the water and the vibration causes nearby buildings to shudder violently. Don is able to grab the sword using the metal foot ninja glove, but the laser begins to overload. The turtles escape with the sword to the lair, where Splinter concludes it is best for it to stay out of the wrong hands. Meanwhile, Saki is angry with his two technicians when they return. The mechanical body they brought back is proof that his longtime enemy is in the city, but getting it back came at the cost of the Sword of Tengu. The technicians explain that they were attacked by four strange creatures. Saki holds up the thermal image of the turtles from the mouser, and the troops agree that they were the ones who took the sword. As the technicians are taken away by Hun as punishment, Saki vows to get rid of these freakish thorns in his side permanently. The end. Riveting storytelling. So uh, thank you for uh, sitting through those, Mikaela, because I know that you didn't get uh, didn't get one. Yeah, no, sometimes we throw it to the guests to do a uh, to do a recap, but then we realize that's rude. Yeah, you missed out no, on the ones to don't know how to read live during the recording. <laughs> Going forward, yeah, we should really just like me. spring it on people. Just be like, okay, and you're doing this one. Just let them go. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we did that. We did that to Cody uh, his first time on. <laughs> he, had to, he had to do like a live reading, and then uh, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he wanted to do that. It 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 takes practice. Like as you as you heard, like we we have to do retakes every now and then. So we're supposed to get we're supposed to like clap. We tried doing that uh, so Spencer can find it where to edit easier, but. We, we Wait, never did that. We, we've when never we done that. I tried doing it a long time ago, and then I just stopped doing it. <laughs> like, physically, like... Yeah, because it, it, when Spencer's looking at the the thing, you're, you're looking for that clap. So, the thing is, it was a thing I saw audio technicians Oh, do. that was like a click thing. I remember the click thing. Yeah, it's the click. it's like a click, yeah. because So I don't have a clicker, so I was clapping. I don't think clapping would be as, as distinctive. Uh, either way, it, it it just never happened. So I just, yeah. I just so I guess yeah, if you hear, it's moved because we didn't do it. So if you're listening to old episodes and you're hearing random clapping, it's because Mike was clapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Spencer would have edited it out. I, I would have. Uh, so, but, but yeah, 
No, so you know it's because the you know no one decided to use the clicker that I don't input sounds for Mike. You know. Uh, oh, is that why? <laughs> no, not really. I'm just lazy. I know. All right, really, the Let's second time that. around, these guys. I think yeah. so. Hey, nice junk. So, first episode is four. Meet Casey Jones. Yeah. Like, uh, did you kinda, know that this episode is this. based on a comic? I did. Yep. This episode <laughs> adapts Raphael number one from the original Mirage comics. That's all I've got. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's the only thing I wrote down. Yep. <laughs> so Casey Jones is another main cast member for the show. He's voiced by Mark Thompson. Uh, you know, this is the episode where they meet him. So obviously it's the, the first one in the show with him in it. I don't remember the, uh, was Casey watching the news in Raphael number one? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't know why I felt like that was something they, that Kevin and Peter had written in the notes in the ultimate uh, comic. Yeah. Or did, so, they, or, did they, or did they say he was supposed to be watching bad movies? It might have just been bad movies. Um, it was, I think it was he was inspired by watching too many like bad cop movies. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I was putting all of them together in my head. Yeah, they, um, it's not anything they ever showed in the comic book. Uh, it's just something that Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird or both said later. Now, the, the biggest difference between this episode and the comic book it adapts is, yeah, in the comic book, Casey doesn't really have a backstory for why he goes and beats up bad guys. He just does it. Uh, whereas in this story, you know, he has a history with the Purple Dragons. That uh, that makes him hate them and want to go and, and beat them up. Because yeah, because he's he's specifically only targeting the uh the purple dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I don't know, because it's also kind of weird because they at the beginning of the, of the episode, like when they're when he's when Casey's watching the news, like the news is already reporting on like a hockey masked vigilante. And then when he gets up and he's like, that's why I do it. And it's like it, it, that speech he gives like right there just kind of feels like that's the first time he's going to go do it. Like, like, like watching the news, like inspired him to go be that vigilante. I don't know. It just, it just read, it felt read weird to me. It's just, it's like memento. He has short term memory loss from all the, that. Yeah, that could have been what it was like, like that was his. <laughs> That was his trigger. Like he's the winter soldier. <laughs> so he watches the, when, whenever he gets home from a night of vigilanteism, he puts his mask away. Then he watches the news and it reactivates him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, there I feel you like go. It, That's my head that He sees that the world is terrible in the news and it just makes it so he can't sit on his couch anymore. And he's like, I got to go. And I got to get the fire in his eyes and everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the other the other thing that's different from the comic book is like the B plot, you know, of course. So what the what the rest of the turtles are doing, the original comic book only has Raphael and Casey in it. And also the whole entire story happens in one night in the comic book. While in this, it happens over a period of time. You know, Casey challenges Raphael to come and fight him in a park. And then the other turtles also show up and they fight a bunch of purple dragons where in the comic book, they just kind of finally realize they're on the same side uh, rather than having a 
something else come and attack them. I did like that they actually used tools to like retrofit the armored car because if you remember back in 87 like donatello just like rips the side off the van with his bare hands <laughs> okay but <laughs> like they actually where, used tools. But where did donatello get the jaws of life it was in the abandoned warehouse were they up in the abandoned warehouse at that point i thought they yeah. moved the car there later no they go after, up like there, after they he had go done up that part and, and then they make the car up there oh well it's convenient that the jaws of life were in this warehouse which uh, we alluded to this last week. That was where the um, <laughs> where we were talking about. There's more to the new sewer layer uh, than meets the eye, and now there's this giant mysterious elevator with really weird technology powering it. And then Mikey just casually, I just found a bunch of these crystals all over the place. Yeah, no, it's it's leading into another story arc in the future. Yeah, this show does a good job of, like, not wasting anything, you know? Yeah, it, it sets up a whole lot as it as it goes along. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I kind of found funny in this episode is that Leonardo... So, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a memory thing. So, in the, the 2003 video game from Konami, every single turtle gets their own unique air attack, and Leo gets the split kick. Uh, you got to learn the split kick in the dojo, and then you have the split kick in the game. Oh, neat. I remember that. Yeah, that's uh, it's such like a, a funky animation because like no other part of his body moves, but just like his shins go out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic, like... classic 2003 video gaming. Uh, I I had a feeling that in Casey's flashback that was Han. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's Han. Uh. It just it just didn't look like I didn't see his tattoo, so I was like, oh. But apparently, it like the tattoo is there on uh, the young Hun uh, model sheet. So I think it's in the show too. I, I didn't see it, but honestly, dang. It, it's easy to miss because it, it zooms in on his face right away. When he's got the do rag and stuff instead of the the ponytail. And... Yeah, that's how you know he's tough. You yeah. Know. Michaela, did you have anything for uh, this episode that you noticed, or do you want to just... Um, one of the things that I noticed in the episode is about how they've made Mikey still, like, really strong. Like, he still writes really well. About the 2012 is that they made Mikey kind of dumber and not as great of a fighter, but I like that they show that he is really good at fighting, and he's, like, on like on the same level as Raphael, you know? I thought that, that was very cool for them to do with his character yeah yeah because they're, they're kind of like they're kind of planting the seeds for that where like mikey is going to be eventually revealed to be you know as competent as he is spoilers mike Jeez. i mean yeah spoilers Some of for us a, haven't seen spoilers for a 20 year old show come on hey, now. it's new to me <laughs> you okay do you know the like like what happens with with Shredder and everything, or is this like completely new to you, Cody? No, I know. I'm I'm mostly just okay. giving Mike. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many just always, we talk just about? always assume that Cody's messing around. That's what I do <laughs> until I'm not, and then I want you to take me very seriously. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, but then you just switch on me, and I have no idea. <laughs> so, because uh, I can't read social cues. So, um. So episode five, the nano. 
Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Remember, we're we're only on the second time around, Mike. I I know, I know, I know. Uh, So this is this is where that plot point is going to come up uh, that I mentioned. So I think when I first watched it, uh, and the several times that I watched this, uh, I think I hit. I mean, number one. I'm going to do this anchovy early because it builds into this. I really hate the voice of Nano. It's remember we're in the second time around, Mike. I know, I know, but I have, but I have to bring this anchovy here first uh, to set this up because I have to, because I have to go into, I have to go into this next part. Um, the, it's, it's that voice that Veronica Taylor, who plays April is doing for it. And it's, I, I get it. I get the voice. But that was always what turned me off was just that kind of screeching that it does. And it's just like, I, 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 I hate it. Like it, it's worse than nails on a chalkboard. And I mean, with that's, the that's by design, that's how it's supposed to be. I, I mean, even just the, even just the, like the little daddy parts, like when it's just calling Harry daddy, <laughs> that like that, I hated it. I hated that sound. Um, I mean, I hate the whole like the daddy thing, but not the sound. I just it, and it's like it, that's that's part of what it what I hated about it. Um, I mean, and, and amongst amongst other things, uh, having now gone as far as I have into researching turtles and specifically reading, uh, reading Mirage uh, volumes one, two, and three. Uh, this does feel like a story that could have come out of Mirage is what I was building yeah. to. That's the, um, you, you were waiting to make that one joke. Uh, no, I, it gave me a new appreciation Damn for you, it. Mike, that whole it gave thing. me, hang, whole hang, hang, on, hang on. It gave me a new pre- appreciation for it and where I, I now can kind of see it differently. Um, and I kind of get where it was, what it was going for now. Um, because this really does feel like a story that could have come out of tales of the TMNT. Like it's kind of this one-off thing and uh, just one wild random night with this random technology, uh, you know, found by like the worst person and the turtles kind of have to show up and deal with it. Like this feels like a tails issue. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was my big point about it. I just want to know yeah. they show up and deal with it by like murdering, like, well, yeah, I made that joke several times in my review because, like, everybody decides to do the worst thing with this with this technology. <laughs> yeah, the turtles are the bad. The turtles are the villains in this one. I'm gonna say because, hold on, and this I don't know if this fits here, but why do the turtles care so much about crime? Think of that. Think of that. I mean, turtles they, they don't pro crime. Turtles they are don't, criminals. They don't really care about the crime. It's just the fact that someone is robbing their friend's store. Like you know, they're, they're there to protect their friend's store from being. Robbed. Yeah, like they're specifically they're like they didn't they didn't stop the other people's stores from getting robbed. Like they're specifically just watching out for April's. Also, they yeah, themselves have robbed an armored armored car, <laughs> so. but, but they stole it from from bad guys. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did they, did that, g- they did give the money that was in it back. Right. Right. Did I notice that Nano makes a Pokeball in the very beginning? I was good. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I think that was a big four kids joke because yeah. they were doing Pokemon at the time. Um, what else I got? Casey calls April babe, which is a kind of classic lines from the first movie. Also, I noticed they eat pizza in this episode. I don't think we've, have we seen them eat pizza before? 
They might have. They might have eaten pizza. I thought before. this was the first time in this series. I think so pizza. too. Wow. I remember that being like really downplayed in this. Series, I think they. So I, I think they mention it. it you know? I think they mention pizza in uh, Meet Casey Jones, but I think this is the first time we see them eating it. Okay. Uh, I've I've got to mention uh, the doctor. Her name is Marion Richards. And she's also played by Veronica Taylor. So this is just a big Veronica Taylor heavy episode. Um, that's I also even... kind of the po- that's also kind of the Pokeball joke is because she played Ash Ash Ketchum. That's true. I didn't even realize that she voiced that many characters. It kind of shows she's just pretty prolific as a voice actress. Well, that's what, that's what I was saying last week or last time we we did this is like four kids had like you know fifteen voice actors that they used for everything for all of their shows. Yeah. And so, like, and because, like, Turtles is kind of the first, like, American show for a lot of these uh, voice actors, um, like, this, this was, uh, I was looking at Sam Regal, who played Donatello, um, like, this was his first American show. Everything else, he, was, he, he had done anime before this for four kids. Hmm. Other, other firsts, though, uh, is that this is the first totally original episode that isn't based on anything from the comic books. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> this also kind of goes into what I was talking about last time was, you know, we're, we're already, you know, for everybody who's like, oh, this is, this is, you know, takes just after the Mirage comics. Like, this is the first non-Mirage story. It feels like it could be from Mirage, so I understand if people were surprised that this isn't one. But I just found that interesting that we're already deviating so early. We kind of have to because, like, again, there's only so much Mirage no- Volume 1 to go over. Yeah. Um, we do get a cool Star Wars and Star Trek reference from Michelangelo. He does the whole, I got a bad feeling about this, which is a Star Wars line. And, uh, like, I, I can't do it, Captain. She doesn't have enough power. That line from Star Trek. Kinda cool yeah, that was my they favorite. They both I, of those in there. I loved that he referenced that. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, it, it seems like that's, you know, I feel like Mikey does more pop culture references in this show than he did in 87. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so kind of more like, the, yeah, it's kind of like how the 90s movies were. But a lot of the bits that he does that way are pretty great. Some of them are pretty outdated. I'd say they're probably even outdated for the time that it came out. in. But uh, yeah, because he funny. does a he does a Cagney reference, which like he did a Cagney reference in the 1990 movie. But it's like that was kind of closer to when Cagney was relevant, like cause yeah. a lot of cartoons made Cagney references. Like, I don't know. I don't think a kid in 2003 was going to understand Cagney. Yeah. Well, and there's also that show. So it, it's not in this episode. It'll be it'll be in a later episode. But that that show where they say, like, what you talking about, Willis? He. he oh, uh, is it called Different Strokes? Is that what it is? I think so. It's Gary Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, he, I think it's someone else in the show that's supposed to say it because he does it in a deeper voice or maybe the deeper voice thing is supposed to be the gag. Either way, as a kid. I didn't get the reference, but I thought it was funny still. And then it's much later that I learned that what you talk about with this is, is like a whole is a whole bit from from another show. Sounds about right. I do want to point out this episode rips off Beast Wars transmutate. So, yeah. Hopefully somebody from Beast Wars has a lawsuit ready. 
Did you double check that it's not like the same writer? Nope. Like like the way that David Wise used to steal his own scripts for 87? No, that would be cool. Tra- I, I had it pulled up because um, I was interested when Transmutate came out with Beast Wars and it was 1998. Mm. And it was written by Christy Marks. But yeah, if you ever, if you think Nano is creepy and unsettling, watch the Transmutate episode of Beast Wars. And then... Yeah, that was a that was a pretty heavy episode. Uh, but I mean, like Eric Luke, who wrote this episode, you know, was was a big name too. Like he he co plotted uh, Gargoyles, like the first five episodes, and this, I mean, this show is already you know Gargoyles is a huge influence on this show. Um, because what is, like Gar- I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have a guest here who's listened to the podcast. I just want to know, like, so for, for Spencer, it's like DC comics, uh, pre crisis on infinite earths for Cody. It's one piece for Mike. It's gargoyles. What's the thing that like I reference all the time. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm trying to, I remember there was something that was referenced in the um, episode. Oh my god! Now you're putting me on the spot. I don't remember. I know. <laughs> that's well, right. That's right. I just don't, I don't have the self awareness to know what it is, so I'm just curious. <laughs> I keep I a running like... tally of how many times I reference gargoyles. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I... maybe Keith, you should do that. It's not an episode if Mike doesn't bring it. Tie it into gargoyle somehow it's all like six degrees of gargoyle i just have to do a rise reference per episode so. i mean already I tonight think... we've gotten dc comics one piece and gargoyles well <laughs> gargoyles have at least is relevant because like the guy who wrote gargoyles <laughs> wrote some of these episodes sure how convenient i'm just saying i did the research so i feel like <laughs> keith brings up just just random like 80s and 90s cartoons that i've never heard of that's that's definitely like the the forte there like there will be i'm trying to think of a good a good example maybe mike is the one that brings them up too i, I don't know I you guys it, just start talking about 80s cartoons that i've never heard of <laughs> and spencer just zoned <laughs> that ran out. for like that ran for like one or two seasons and i'll you be mean like you've never heard of fantastic max you don't want to talk about jace and the wheeled warriors come on man Ulysses 21. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Your thing is asking people to pick a lane, but clearly you've never picked a lane. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which lane should I pick? (laughs) You think Uh, it's a fun time around for Nano? The only thing that I was going to say is like, I thought the end line where um, Casey and April were fighting, like, like fighting, I guess. Um, And Casey very clearly doesn't know what misogyny is. That was very funny to me. I know it wasn't supposed to be as funny as it is, but that was hilarious. I love yeah. that. And it's like, it, because this is written, you know, in the early 2000s, it, it's kind of funny. Is like, is this a meta joke or is this like kind of an accidental joke? Yeah, but it's funnier now that it's more of like a meta joke. Because I feel like it wasn't intended the way it comes off now. Yeah. Now it's, just, now it's hilarious. Like, I love that he said that. That was, that made me, made me chuckle. Made me chuckle. I think that's, yeah, I think that's like, I think that's kind of the beauty of when we revisit these kind of, these kind of shows, like, because there are some of these things that do land better now that we have different context for things. And 
like we we can look at them in different lenses. So I mean, you, you bring up a perfect point. Yeah, right. So that was pretty much all I had to say. Yeah, no worries. All right, cool. Uh, darkness on the edge of town. That title uh, is also a Springsteen album. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like his fourth album, I think. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> despite uh nine eleven happening uh a little bit yeah kind of kind of kind of around this time frame uh the two tower the twin towers uh are still in this show Ooh. oh wow well it's yeah. also like, it would be that. animated like yeah. well ahead of time there's a there's a wide shot of uh the the beam coming out of like the 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 generator thing and the two the twin towers are right behind it man it, it feels like it's been long enough for it not to have like I know it's I know it's produced ahead of time, but that's like a year and a half after. Yeah, because like they right? they were making edits to stuff that like uh, was coming out right around nine eleven. So it's kind of weird that nobody caught this. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know. I could see like four kids not having like the budget enough to even. Well, wasn't the show necessarily caring? Wasn't the show animated in Korea, like Dong Dogwoo or Dongwoo, something like that? Yeah, Dong like Woo. this is a Korean animated show, but I mean, it wasn't like it. it the production member started after after two thousand one. Yeah, like it was announced I'm, I'm just, in two thousand two. So it's like I'm just thinking that, that could have been fixed w- without knowing it, though. The like they could have just had a picture of the New York skyline drawn it i know. think everybody in the world knew that 9-11 happened i mean they well, knew I mean, it happened the, but like would they recognize the buildings well no the, but it's but it's not time, like was it's it not a like, thing, like we gotta erase everything from yeah no i just I, that's what i was saying like they they pulled the spider-man like the first spider-man movie ad because it had the twin towers in it I remember that yeah like that and like, i feel like a, a real life movie though is like more noticeable than like a cartoon i i would assume like cartoons were like lower on the list of like right but also like that. four kids is based out of new york too so it's like they it's it, this is something that would should have been on their radar maybe for is, is what i'm saying terrorism i don't know maybe well, they just wanted to leave the towers there to remember them i, I, I don't know there's also that. I, I mean yeah. there's yeah. that like i don't know it, but yeah just felt, I, I, I just felt just like pointing it out was, just felt like pointing it out things are just like harmless they just didn't notice. Yeah. Um, uh, so a, uh, you... a, go ahead. So a uh, potential spoiler, if this is your first time watching the series, how, depending on how much you know or don't know, but uh, there's a hint to the origins of the Sword of Tengu on the hilt. If you look at like the bottom of the hilt, there's a little Utram on it. Oh, I couldn't see what that was. I thought it was like a little dragon, but yeah. Yep, a little Utram. And uh Rokusaki is able to hold it without the glove. Well, yeah, I also cool. noticed I also noticed too that like I mean, like it specifically like reacted to his armor and so I was and, I, and you know, knowing now that he uh that that's you know an Utram suit, I was like, oh okay, like it it this is detecting Utram stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also weird that we're like six episodes in, no mention of the shredders so far. Like I don't even think they've Named Rokusaki, but definitely haven't said Shredder at all. This is like the first look we get at his armor, even. Well, other than the theme song. Yeah, I was oh, yeah. gonna say he's in Fair the enough. theme song. Though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 
So know, we're revealing who skips for the theme sure. song or who doesn't, know. I guess. We've only heard that six times already so far. But, you know, we're just we're just supposed to be watching out for him, that's all. Yeah. Anything else for darkness on the end of the I remember I remember that like the sword of Tengu like came with the first shredder uh action figure for this show. Um it definitely wasn't this color. Uh it was like all silver. Also, like I think you could plug it into another like weapon that he had, so it became like a long, like Naginata style sword. Hmm. Sounds about right. As I'm watching this series, I do notice like the toyetic things. Like, um... yeah, that was, and that was a when. When was the shell cycle? Was that in Casey Jones? Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like this show's already getting very toyetic. Yeah, you you can kind of tell they're like planting the seeds, like, like the battle shell. The I mean, come on, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, like the battle shell, it like and how kind of hard Mikey drives that name around. Like it 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 plays as a joke, but you know, in a meta sense, you're like, oh, like this is they're they're trying to tell you like this is the this is the new toy, and it's like the shell cycle. Like that's such a toy name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean every every Ninja Turtle series does this because they've got no, negotiated. Obviously, play. obviously, but it's it's just funny that like it it's just funny when it's so blatant. Yeah. All right, are we ready for some anchovies? I don't know, Spencer. Are you ready for some anchovies? Yeah. <laughs> As always. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. Alright, so I've only got one for meet Casey Jones, which is that you know, all the turtles are working together on this battle shell thing. But then Donatello's like, hey Raph, secretly I made something for you. It's like Raphael didn't notice you building him a motorcycle. <laughs> and, it's, and putting it in the back of the and putting in the, the shell. back, yeah. It's not a <laughs> small also, vehicle. Yeah, and also you were riding inside of it in That's, front yeah, of Yeah, everything that. about it's it not is covered. Like, <laughs> he didn't throw a tarp on it. Right. <laughs> it's were, just right there. We were all in on it and they were just like, all right, we're gonna have we're gonna have Raphael sit in the passenger seat. We'll be in the back. There's gaslighting the hell out of him. <laughs> like, no, there's no motorcycle back here. It's just yeah. you know, just some junk. Yeah. And this goes back. This is another one. Uh, well, Cody and I were talking about last time. It's like how it feels like Donatello is kind of over inventing things and over designing things like the battle shell is, is just it's so over designed. And also like the jets that come out of the back, really like the back of it, just like in the shell cycle, like is like a jet motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, like he has like also like how does he have so much time on his hands to like. He's like doing R and D nonstop all day, every day. I mean, he doesn't have a day job. Like, yeah, I mean, that's he's, fair. He's just he's not like doing laundry. I mean, or I've something. been unemployed he's for large periods of time, and I didn't like make a rocket-powered van. So. Well, clearly, you're not using your time as well as Donatello. <laughs> See, apparently, thank I'm just you. Whiling away the hours. You know, the, the I've seen you on your lunch ninja. hours. You do yeah. nothing. How dare you, sir? I, I enjoy your lunch hour chats, Cody. For what it's worth. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the, I'll that... start building my own car. <laughs> there you go. What were you saying, Michaela? Um, so one of the anchovies that I had was something that you guys talked about um, in the last episode about how the purple dragons should be called like the red dragons because of how much red they have. Like there's like no purple. Like where's the purple? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, why? Why are you calling yourself? Thank you. Thank you for reinforcing that. 
It's it's a maroon, you know. It can be loosely translated as purple. <laughs> well, they also like, just, like. I feel like it's just red, though. Like it's not even maroon. It like literally was just red. Yeah, it's red is purple. purple. And even there, like even if it is maroon, like they still don't follow that color scheme because they're basically maroon. all just doing like, how do I look as crazy as the next guy? But yeah. Yeah, the only it's real theme is like collide. crazy dragon tattoos. Like it's dragon face is the new leader, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh Dragon Dragon Face's uh delivery for his lines is a little Yeah, that's little, that's Baxter little, Stockman little weak. voice guy, that's, right? No. Uh, isn't it? Uh his name is Cedric Leek. Uh and this is his and Dragon Face is his only credit on IMDb. Yeah, no, that's Whoa. that is my anchovy for this episode. Is that a lot of the delivery lines for for most of the purple dragons can sound a little flat when they are talking. Uh, it's it's not it's not great. the The main cast, I still think, spot on is great, but the purple dragons can can be a little flat in this episode. Yeah, I definitely agree. Which is which is fine because all voice actors got to start somewhere, and like we talked about last time, this is was this was a non union show, so a lot of people are starting here. Is just that one probably could have taken another pass. Yeah. No, and that's as the show goes on. Like whenever there's something that that falls flat on its face with the voice acting, it's it's usually the side characters from people that are just getting their start or the uh, the people who are the main cast trying to stretch their voice into being another character as much as they possibly can. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my big one for the next episode is that what's the guy's name that has a Nana? Harry Parker. Yeah, it's very <laughs> obviously Casey Jones, like to the point that I like looked away from the screen and, and got them mixed up. It's not. It's not. Are you serious? That was like that was being gaslit now by Mike. Nope. That was Eric Stewart, who uh, we talked about last time, who played. uh, um, He was uh, the main. um, He was Johnny. Mm. The the old purple dragon leader, and he's uh, James on Pokemon, James and Brock. Oh, the one who like died, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Casey Jones is played by Mark Thompson. Remember? Well, they sound exactly the same. And and that was that was another thing. That was another one of my original anchovies for this was that like I really hated Harry's voice because it sounds so like it's it sounds like too tradi- like every other like voice actor demo doing a gangster. Are we sure like, it's not just the Casey guy with a fake name? <laughs> no, Eric Stewart. Like I've met Eric Stewart at a convention before. Like he's a real guy. Have you met the Casey guy? I've not. He, I don't think he's come to oh, California. It's, yeah, it's just the other guy. So maybe time. he's the guy who doesn't exist. <laughs> I I don't have anything for Nano. Actually. Of course you my, don't. My only thing is just like how incredibly messed up this episode is. Like it's it's kind of disturbing like what they do to this robot and then like the music that plays that sounds like a broken kid's toy yeah that's like, stuff. I, like it's super messed up but also I, it's kind of what i like it for too so. yeah that's why it's so good yeah like i i i mean i <laughs> so yeah like this was the episode that always stopped me and it's like stuff little stuff like that yeah is what i hated i think i think because like there's little things like the music it doesn't I don't know. It didn't sell me on creepy. It was just more kind of like, eh, like, I don't, it's hard to describe. 
but just, I felt like that, like that kind of like circusy, like plunking tune didn't like feel like it matched what Nat, like it didn't, it didn't feel like that should be Nano's theme. It it sounds like a, a nursery, like, like something you'd hear. I don't know. As someone who has had to hear baby music playing from a, <laughs> a, a swinging chair and other things like that, like the, that all these different things have, it's, it's spot on. Except yeah, for Spencer yeah, plays really the, the nano music for his daughter now. I, 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 oh, I, along with the like, Daddy! <laughs> God. <laughs> Only accidentally when the batteries are dying in her little chair, you know? And then, <laughs> <laughs> then it starts sounding creepy. Very haunting like, for a least. Like, one but thing like, I didn't like about like, this you episode. You made a good point. Like, I, I, I joked about it in my, in my review, but like, yeah, everybody just decides to do the worst possible things with this technology. Like, and you, you would think that Donatello would want to, would want to try and preserve it in some way. Like he, like they immediately, like Leonardo's immediately like, we got to kill it. And Donatello's like, well, it's a good thing it burns. (laughs) What I don't like is like, he gets all the way to that point and then it feels like some sensor came in and was like, okay, we can't have our heroes dropping a three-year-old into a, a vat of lava. So instead have the hairy guy come and like, turn it off. It's like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like, why did he do that? Except that we couldn't have the turtles do it. You know? I mean, other than him being stupid, like I mean, it, he's, he wasn't a bright guy, but, uh, but I, I, that was things something I liked. I, I liked that tragic aspect of it. Cause it did feel like he kind of started to see Nano as a kid or like as his kid. But I, I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of interesting. I really like when you fight him in the video game with, as Michelangelo because you can just eat feet all the way down his body. So yeah, so you can do that, and and it's good. However, um, Donatello is actually better because once you figure out where the hitbox is, you just go down in a straight line and do a whole ton of damage. You got to climb back up to the top and hit him again. But it, yeah, it's been a long time since I played that game. Have you ever played the video game, Michaela? No, I have not. I'm not. I'm not great with video games. I'm more of just mm. like watch them being played. It's like it's it's a weird experience because it was uh it was like the first new Turtles video game in years, and it was like it it was all part of like the big like relaunch for 2003 and like this era, and it it's like it's largely forgettable because it's so. Like it's so kind of boring. It's just a beat 'em up with clips of the show, and it's not until they get into the next games that it starts to get better. It makes some uh, questionable but, decisions too. Like you have to play through like five levels before you can save your game. Yeah, it. like it's 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 a rough game, and it's not even it's not even like rough in challenging. It's just rough like a slog. It's, it's mm. definitely like a, a a first game in a series. You know, like there there was much more polished than the other two in my opinion yeah and it's like there's five levels per episode or no it's like it's longer than that it's like nine up like nine levels per episode no i think it's about five or six but you have to be you have to be like five or six and then we'll save your spot and then you're out of the next the next story arc thing yeah Uh, i think that's part of part of why i felt so i I didn't like 2003 for so long because i kept trying to replay that game too Every time I every time I boot it up, I'm like, 
this will be fun to button match for a little bit. And it's like, I get to the end of the first level and I'm like, God, I'm so tired. I've, I've nearly beaten it, but I was beat. I was playing through it with Michelangelo and his secret boss. Cause every single character has a secret boss that just shows up in the middle of anywhere. But Michelangelo's secret boss is in the final is in the final levels. Uh, and it's Han and he's like super fast and does a ton of damage I, I have no idea how to beat him and still have enough life to be able to beat the rest of the levels. Yeah, because he's like the first thing that shows up in that level, too. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. And just obliterates your life. Yeah. All right. Other anchovies for Nano? This, uh, not necessarily specific to Nano, because um, it, it's kind of across all iterations. I kind of feel like April embraces the turtles too fast. Like, they're hanging out, having sleepovers. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like... like if this happened to me, I would do the same thing. I'd embrace but, it. But... Yeah. They're I mean, from the sewers, so they probably smell like sewage. Would you ask them for a sleepover? Probably. If they're going to protect me, I'll be like, I'll sacrifice it, you know? And I'm sleeping I mean, remember, in another room. So it, exactly. Exactly. Like, she, like, April still went to go sleep in her room. Uh, but remember, April in Mutant Mayhem was like, you know, I like you because you helped me. We just need to make other people see that, you know? That's if, true. So April's very, like, cold and calculating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's just, she she's, in it for, she's in it for herself. She's so using the turtles, basically. Now. No, I think it's just the fact that, you know, she saved them and also went through, like, a near-death experience with them, with Stockman. And, you know, so after that, it's like friends for life. You know, yeah, that's actually the best way to make friends is to to set up a way for them to almost die and for you to save them. Friends for life. That's how Keith met his wife. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh yeah, that's the dentist stuff. Right. (laughs) They just did it. (laughs) Yeah. They did dentist dependence. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else for Nano, Michaela? Anything? Um, I don't think so. Um, the only thing I would kind of say is. I felt like it was weird that the turtles were so rough with the antiques. I feel like they should be like pretty good at being I don't not stealthy necessarily, but like balancing. Like, nimble. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they just instantly like Raphael specifically like broke a ton of stuff with Casey. I was like, guys. No, yeah, you like you make a good point. Like it's kinda like it it's kinda like they they write them to be like dumber sometimes like on purpose like move a full bookcase or piece of furniture that never goes well i mean like i do buy raf thinking he could lift that giant cabinet himself (laughs) that's the thing is i think it has to do with them like lifting more than they can carry uh you know but but it's the it's just the not being careful with it because the first thing they do is they lean it forward and it's like Take well, out the know, China first. It's so AC, funny how AC you AC watch that and you just think of like the practical way you could do it. Because I have the same thing. Like if you tip it back, it's not going to fall out. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's... Although to be fair, April should have packaged those. She should have taken them all out first. Like a single like bungee to keep those doors shut would have solved everything. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. The Darkness. sword of mm. Darkness on the edge of town. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of the like radical gear stuff because it's such an obvious toy commercial. 
And also, they're not wearing any protective gear whatsoever, which is like... They have shells. They're, they're, they're built-in protective gear. They don't have shells on their heads, though. They can turtle. They, if they need to, they'll just turtle up. They, oh, they don't they do turtle up show. on this show? No, they don't. I didn't they, think they, so. they don't do that. That's fine. That, that was my answer to me, too, but for a different reason. I feel like the, the things that they gave each one of them... Like, Mikey made absolute sense. Yeah. But, like, I feel like Leo would not have a scooter, personally. I feel like that made him look <laughs> too dorky. Too dorky. It's, like, it's the one thing I, I can always point to that, like, <laughs> makes the show instantly uncool. <laughs> is yes, the Razor exactly. scooter. Okay, like, but in this era when I was a kid... I wanted nothing more than a Razor scooter for Christmas. I mean, scooters I get were very popular, though. How I remember. How scooters be uncool? Like, there was a craze for scooters. I yeah, remember. He, it's just, it just feels so dorky because, like, these turtles really genuinely do not feel like teenagers. They it just don't. feels like you'd destroy they feel like they feel like, they're four, they feel like they're four guys in their early 20s. I don't know. I, I feel like they feel like they're teenagers. As I'm, I'm not, but I'm not getting teenagers so far. But I think uh, it's always hard, depending, like, because, like, the voices, they're always, like, roided out lunatics. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, hard, I, like, it's, there's so many things going against it, it's hard to believe they're teenagers. It's that whole it's only, package, like, Rise yeah. or 2012 that I believe they're teens. Razor scooters are still so popular that I just had to get rid of one because someone left it on my... On my no, like, they, like, Razor scooters have come back. So like cool. It's so just... Like it just feels so weird because it's, like, you have... Uh, like you have all the like the other extreme stuff like the skateboard and stuff and then it's like a razor scooter and it's like it it, it feels weird because everything else is kind of like kind of hands free and it's like on a, on a scooter you're kind of in a static position kind of scooting yourself along like you can't go as fast as you can on a skateboard on a, on a razor scooter what's the, like what's the fourth thing so like <laughs> if we're good with like Rollerblade, bike, skateboard. skateboard. What's, what's the fourth thing? Snowmobile. Oh, damn it, <laughs> I mean, Cody! I don't that's know. amazing. I, I, mean, I love I don't it. Know. Like, there's no, there's no like perfect answer. Like, other than like, all four of them should have been on skateboards. Why did they ha- yeah. all four of them have to have different things? Toys. Because it's fun. I, I but like the toy, it. But they didn't come with the toy of a razor scooter. They could have yeah. sold Team and T. They, they made a whole line toys. based on this, based on this, like their extreme gear. Did it come with the Razor Scooter? I don't remember that. It does, yeah. It's called the Extreme Sports Turtles. Scootin' Leo, he's called. <laughs> oh, no. Hang on. And, and he's on. wearing protective gear. But I'm going, I'm going to TMNTToys.com because I gotta look this up. Leo is kind of a dork in this series, though, right? Like, he does, like, his whole line in, like, in the last arc. He does his like, whole line. I, buy that i buy that for leo to do that mm-hmm. i'm putting it in the discord chat yep that's a scooter yeah it sure is oh man <laughs> yeah, he has helmets too he's got the helmet it, doesn't, it, it just it just genuinely does not look cool <laughs> he's got gloves. Sorry, is that is that yours would you or is no, that just like a I, stock I, I pulled it from ebay i was out yeah. of collecting around this time or you you bet I would have a scooter, Leo. 
I feel like yeah. I have the scooter, but not the Leo, and I don't know why that would be. But oh my my anchovies, my my anchovies for this episode don't have to do with them skating, but did have to do with some things that were going on with it that felt very the next mutation-y. Like, it felt, like, a little too corny. Like, uh, at one point, Leo says, going for grinditude. Like, yeah. some of them say, like, they're going for altitude. Yes, I, that, that, like, hurt my heart a little bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the going for grinditude I, made, made me wince. Can't lie, can't lie. I was like, ooh, yeah, oh. I, I'd that, rather that have a certified like turtle fied. That sounds like it came straight out of the next mutation. <laughs> yeah. I told you that's why certified turtle fied felt like it could could have come out of 2003. It's it's not common. I told you they, to they do like just as weird stuff here. It's only in a few episodes like this one. Um and then there's also that like corny, like yes, fist bumped when Donatello is like, oh fist pump when Donatello is okay. Like he 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 crashes in his hang glider comes up out of the water and they learn he's okay and then they're all just like yes and they like pump their fists like i feel like there should be like it's good they have a positive emotion but i just don't feel like that's the real reaction to being relieved that your brother is okay after he may be nearly <laughs> yeah. just died yeah that that felt more of like a yeah we won instead of like a oh yay my brother's alive you know yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. After every near-death experience, I hope everyone like jumps in the air and freeze frames like the end of an 80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was confused why there was a pirate ship in the bay. I was too. And, it, and it, then it was like, is it a pirate ship or is it just like a museum Sailing. ship? That's what I thought oh, too. Yeah. But then they, they keep making pirate jokes and stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah. like, the, I didn't see like a pirate flag or anything. It was literally just like a sailing ship. But, yeah. but think about it. You're a teenager goofing off on an old timey ship. You're right. I'm an early 20s year how old. Are you gonna, how are you going to around? Off? You're going to pretend to Pirates be a pirate. of the Caribbean had just come out. I'm really into it. I remember. Yeah, I remember my early 20s. Another thing that always bugged me was the glove that they use for the sort of Tengu. Like it has four fingers. The turtle can put his finger his fingers into it. <laughs> Turtlepedia but, mentions that as like a thing but, people don't like about this episode. Yeah, but also like Splinter can do it. And like I would get it if it was like the other two fingers just like dangled, so it was like their fingers are only in the first two or whatever. But like it, it makes a fist when the turtles use it. I'm like, why couldn't they just have made it like a mitten or just like a one finger glove? You know that that would have solved mittens, it immediately. Mittens aren't cool. One finger gloves aren't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> did the did the glove have like the foot the foot clan logo on it and that yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it does. But but really they should have given him like a metal oven mitt. It should have just been an oven mitt that you can grab this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Cody, I'm gonna if, blow your mind here. Let me let me drop this in our Discord chat, oh sir. So yeah. the description the description of the glove uh, it says only a true ninja can wield the sword of Tengu without it. Yes. But no, it's not no, like a true. ninja sword because we're, we're kind of planting the seed that it's an U- like it's an Utrom device. Keith, well, those but, are weird mittens. There, there's That's probably some it. sort of level of mastery that you can have that makes it so that you can be able think, to handle such things you know so speaking see, speaking of that Splinter gets burned all up by it later on in the series yeah so yeah speaking of that and stuff and stuff like that like leo they're 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 doing the thing like where any like all martial arts is ninja in this in this show 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like ninja or like splinter is always talking about like, Oh, the path of the warrior. And it's like, you know, like making all of these, you know, generic, you know, kind of things. But then Leo's like trying to quote Bushido back at him. And it's like, ninjas didn't ninja didn't practice Bushido. That was a samurai thing. Yeah. Ninjas were specifically anti Bushido, which is, is, is a thing that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that's that, that was always another thing that like, where we talked about last week, like they're kind of using Japanese influences, but like not correct. But it is, it is cool. Cause later on when Leo meets Usagi, uh, Miyamoto Usagi, he will note how strange it is that he's a ninja that follows Bushido and he'll, he'll actively say that to, to Leo. Okay. That how strange, which, o- that you do that. which, okay, that's, cool. that's, that's cool. But then why is Splinter teaching the Bushido? You know, he just, and then calling it ninjutsu. A- he just probably figured it was a good moral framework to raise his sons in. <laughs> yeah. But then he's lying the to him and calling it <laughs> Guys, I have a stupid anchovy that's just vaguely related to this episode. Um, all right, so uh, two years ago, roughly, I'm on the TMNT Reddit, and someone has a post that's like, you know, in, in not this episode, but in some episode, they mentioned that back in feudal Japan, Shredder used the sword of Tengu to like, rule the countryside or like take over a bunch of villages and stuff. And this guy was like, why didn't they expand on that? Like, I love to see that happening. Like, how did he do that? It's like, really? You don't, you can't put together like how an alien warlord in a metal suit carrying a sword that shot lightning took over the countryside. Come on, man. <laughs> so that's my small rant against Reddit today. Uh, spoiler alert. That kind of happens in rise. That kind of sets up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Rise is just 2003. But better. Oh, sorry. Did that come out? Uh, uh, I, I hate that they pronounce that Shredder keeps pronouncing it the sword of Tengu. Tengu. <laughs> I just hated that. If the sword is so cool, why doesn't Shredder go get it himself? Why doesn't Shredder go? Because he's the boss man, dude. But like, it seems kind of important to him. Like, he seems like he, he's like one of the most serious shredders, but he's totally willing to trust the incompetence of his lackeys at every turn. Well, so this is this is what we talked about last time with like why they made the purple dragon such a big thing in this show is that like you can't always have Shredder be the bad guy in every episode because if he keeps getting defeated, then it doesn't make him special anymore. And so like they're saving him for like the big, you know, the big fight. Also, yeah, that's true, but it like makes build, this, like building up to that. seem less important because he doesn't care enough to like go. Like I'm just saying, like 2012 Shredder, he would he would have gone. No, he, he didn't. Though. Did he didn't. Though. He always sent. A, he always sent like Fishface and Dog Pound out. Fishface and Rad Bradford were way cooler. Like you could rely uh, on Rad Bradford. Could you though? He's yeah, defeated. he's like Maybe, yeah. the greatest well. martial artist of his generation. You could even dodge a bunch of ooze that uh, transformed him, though. Yeah, I mean, like, made him cool. he, was, made so, him he was so bad, he got turned into another mutant. cooler. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, dog twice. and then he was Razor. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a very, like, laissez-faire, Krang style of, like, okay, somebody else go do it. I'll just hang out in my, my <laughs> super sweet penthouse. I'll kill oh, I mean, whoever but, because yeah. he because he is a crank, you know. So, yeah. but, but glad to see that carried like, over. Damn it, Mike! 
the other thing that we do watch the show anymore (laughs) the other thing that we do learn as this show goes on is that like oroku saki has a businessman front that that he is like a big businessman in in the normal city like he's not like these goings on of his ninja-ing is is very secret and hush-hush and no one else knows about it so i kind of assumed i kind of assumed so because he has a skyscraper with his logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So I kind of assumed branding. he was some kind of branding. You know. So, so when you're a distinguished business person, you can't go out there like yourself all the time to go and get things. You know, you got to trust your, your underlings yeah. to go out and get things for you. It would draw a little attention if like, uh, like Elon Musk was like, yeah, we're going to shoot this laser into the river so I can find this metal battle suit. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I could believe him doing that, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. As it came uh, out, he does mouth, have the like, boring company, so for God's sake. Yeah, true. Oh but uh, to, make a, to make another Gargoyles reference, Xanatos oh. did the same exact thing. Hmm. Dan had his building. He shot a, a sword laser into the river? Uh, at one point, yes. Hmm. A whole a whole sword laser. I need to watch Gargoyles now just so I can call Mike Mike out on 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 this because I don't believe you. I don't believe there's a sword laser. <laughs> but Anything. I know I think you should. I think you should watch Gargoyles though, because I mean, th- like I said, a lot of this comes from Gargoyles, like literally, because it has the same writer. I have one last anchovy. Um This episode specifically felt very like one liner heavy. Like it, like it felt like. They weren't even like talking to each other. It just felt like they were like they just kept saying one-liners. Yeah, yeah. No, now that you say it that way, that's that's definitely what the next mutationiness of this episode is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is also it's, not, it's just not great writing. You know, it gets better as the series goes on for sure. <laughs> also, I wonder, if, I wonder if we can identify like who who the good writers are on this episode. Or, <laughs> you know, like sometimes like because we could kind of do that with 87 when it was David Wise. I'm like, OK, this is going to be like way too much in one episode. I wonder if we can kind of, you know, suss it out for this series as well. So this this one was written by Marty Eisenberg, who oh, he like, does a ton of them. He does a lot. Yeah, he does a lot of these episodes, but he's also on a ton of stuff, too. Like he was on the original X-Men, uh, Spider-Man, uh, the, the Beetlejuice cartoon. Superman the animated series gargoyles like so I mean Marty Eisenberg is not a bad writer either yeah like well um, not not every script can be a winner you know not not everyone can well we also know from like David Weiss where it's like sometimes they would write and then it just gets mangled like beyond their control yeah uh I was gonna say this is another episode that's not based on a Mirage comic yeah Mm-hmm. So we're, we're we're deviating. All right, then let's get into I love being a turtle. Oh, I love being a turtle. So back to meet Casey Jones. Yeah, meet Casey Jones. There's some good fight choreography in this one, like good animation. Yeah, As, hands down, my favorite part of the episode was when uh, all the turtles get out of the battle shell uh, at, at when like when Rav and Casey are fighting in, in Central Park. And Casey's like, friends of yours? And Raph's like, brothers, actually. And then Mikey's like, it just, it's dead silent. And then Mikey's like, I'm the handsome one. I'm the pretty one. I'm the pretty <laughs> one. I love that. I cracked up. That was so funny. Yeah. 
there's Mikey's got a lot of good bits in this one. Like uh, also when he's like just trying to hammer the sign into the wall and gets the railroad spike and the, the sledgehammer and it's all right, tough guy, you know, kind of. Well, that's the Cagney reference that like we get, but it's like the, see the thing but is, yeah, the railroad I, spike was funny. I didn't even get the reference of like the, all right, tough guy. I just thought it was funny. Like just a funny yeah, voice. Yeah. And so even without knowing that it's a reference, it still comes off as humorous uh, and, and entertaining. Um, also like Casey Jones talking about, uh, his mask, you know, like Raphael kind of asks him what's up with it or whatever. And he's like, I got to protect my looks. I'm saving my face for Hollywood. Uh, I just like, I thought that was funny. I love Casey Jones. I, so like I've watched this whole series and like, it's good to see Casey in the first couple seasons because he's so much better than he is the last couple seasons. Like eventually he's going to be so dumb that he came and climb a fence, but like (laughs) here he's so And that's, that's not an exaggeration. It's the rat King episode. He falls down climbing a fence, but here he's he's so cool in these episodes. I, I love it. Yeah, he he's my, definitely my favorite in this series. Uh, up there is like one of my favorite versions of Casey Jones because he's he's got that he's got like an anger streak in him, and he's kind of got like I don't know that that impulsive ruffian behavior. But he's got like so many redeeming qualities where he's like actually a decent guy, and he's he's funny and. It's just like the perfect mix of Casey Jones where he's just crazy enough that like he's still way out there, but at the same time is like has enough redeeming qualities that he's that he's a really likable character. Yeah. I mean, he's and, a himbo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I one of the things that I really liked about this episode was and this is like kind of neat, but it showed Casey's apartment for like a hot second. And I loved how college boy-esque it was like there's like just a sofa a tv a mirror a punching bag and that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> it's very much like a dorm yeah yeah exactly exactly i thought that was hilarious and very fitting yeah no it's perfect i was kind of curious like how he could afford that apartment <laughs> what well, he yeah it... doesn't have furniture easy uh, fair, yeah. I've seen Rent. You're, you're right. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Maybe he goes in and he do, he pulls like the you know he busts up crack dens and then because like they have money he just takes the money and uses it to pay rent. You know he busts up crack. He takes money from crack dens. <laughs> at least at least the Mirage series he mentions he used to be a bouncer. So presumably that, that's he works at bars or something. So but also not, like twenty years ago, job. rent was more affordable. Yeah. So. Maybe I mean, it was still expensive in New York, but rent controlled. I don't know. Yeah. In the movie, he played hockey professionally. He probably saving up some of that money. Mm-hmm. Did he? Was he? Was he a pro? I thought he. I thought he got. He was a pro until he got he hurt. Pro. He was a pro until he got hurt for about a year. I think he says. Hmm. And the uh, one of the other things I really liked about this was how they dealt with Raphael's anger issues. I feel like a lot of generations tend to just like just make him angry but don't talk about it. But I like that you can kind of see his thought process and like him going through the emotions. Like he's not just angry. Yeah, like he <laughs> I th- I thought the like the edgy like you know, going up to the rooftop and then screaming to the world, "What is wrong with me?" like 
it, 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 it comes off as like, you know, edgy emo, but it's like, it, it is, it is kind of different than the other, than the other Raphael's because like, you're right. They don't really dive into that aspect of like his anger issues. And I feel like he's allowed to be a little edgy emo because he's a teenager or he's, you know, supposed to be a teenager in this. So like teenagers are a little edgy emo, you know? Yeah. That was genuinely the most teenagery I've felt any of these turtles have been so far. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what is wrong with me part? Yeah, because that's like that's definitely something an emotional teenager would have done. Adult. (laughs) Well, I think that all the time. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, Yeah. no, but yeah, but do you go to the rooftop and scream to the world like that? If I wasn't scared of roofs, I probably would. (laughs) The pitch on my roof is such that I can't. I do have a story about me. Yeah, gotcha. (laughs) Oh, dang! You guys got roofs. (laughs) On to Nano then. So, I have come around on this. I don't love this episode, but I don't think I hate it anymore. Wow. What it's a perfectly cromulent episode. It's a perfectly cromulent episode. Thank you. The perfect way to describe that. Uh, no, I mean, I've come around on it. Like, I think, I think having that extra context that I mentioned is really what kind of made me look at it in, in a different way and give it that chance. So, uh, I'm glad I was able to push through. <laughs> I like so, how the lady creates what is arguably the most like pivotal, crucial technology in the whole world, and she's just like annoyed and hates it. I just like remembered. <laughs> I just remembered that Gargoyles has a nano episode. Oh God! <laughs> of course it does. It does. I'm serious. Uh, hold on. Do your do your. I love being a turtle. I gotta remember that episode. So it, it's kind of hilarious to me when uh, the scientist shocks Nano the first time, like that little scream that it does the very first time. She like is like, it's personifying, and she electrocutes him. There's something about that scream that is just funny. It shouldn't be, you know, because like, like distur- that's so a very bad. disturbing admission, Spencer. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but it's not torture Spencer coming in. <laughs> the scream with the scream. It's just a comedic scream, you know. It's like when you hear the Wilhelm scream in Star Wars. Yeah. Like there, there's something kind of funny about it uh, that, that makes me laugh. I thought it was uh, just funny that the she's Wilhelm like. Wilhelm scream is in every movie. It, it's delightful and it kind of just breaks you. Yeah, I thought it was really just kind of funny that she's like, "Oh, it's alive again," and she just zaps it immediately. Like, yeah. man, y'all have no empathy. Okay. Uh, so the nanotechnology in Gargoyles was named Matrix. Uh, and that episode was not written by Marty Eisenberg. Uh, or Eric Luke. It was written by uh, our old friend Michael Reeves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Anyway, just thought it was funny. Yeah. So, um, I guess, I guess the thing that like. I like so much about this vill- uh, about this episode is like how how messed up it is um, because in my opinion it helps teach compassion and empathy because you have Nana, Nano who is this great sympathetic villain like you you see this character and you feel bad for them and and the turtles are kind of stuck in this position where they're forced to have to 
you know, defend themselves from him and, and defend things from him and, and go after him. Uh, but, but you can see that like Nano just was dealt a poor deck, like a, a poor hand. He's, you know, the person he imprints on and like that he has as his parent that's raising him is, you know, an awful guy that's teaching him bad things and bad habits. And that's what he's getting all mixed up in. And that's what's messing things up, um, you know, for him. But, but deep down inside, Nano is just someone that wants to be loved and accepted. He just wants to have a place in, in society. He also and, just and so, wants to be alive. <laughs> he just wants to be alive. Yeah. But, but that's the thing is like, as a kid, I, uh, I just remember, you know, learning a lot about, well, being, you know, taught a lot from like my mother and things like that about how you don't know what other people are going through. You know, you got to be nice to other people because, you know, you, like other kids at school and things like that, because you don't know what's going on at home. And this episode uh, where you, you get to see, you know, a great example of like someone who isn't bad, uh, who is a sympathetic person, get led down you know, get led down a bad path and, and end up, you know, because of their poor influence. Um, and as the show goes on, spoilers, N Nana will come back and he'll get a whole arc and, and be developed. A Hopefully little bit. he gets he a happy gets, ending. He comes back with revenge. Uh, not, not really. <laughs> um, but, but the other thing that I, just replaces that I, them. but the other thing about this episode that I like is that it's like a sci-fi horror episode. Uh, and, and it does it is very like outer limits. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nano is like, I love the voice because like it's creepy and, and kind of haunting, like especially his screams of like daddy and stuff. Um, to me that they're, they're like haunting and kind of creepy. Like he, he is a horror character. It's, it's like a sci-fi horror thing. Uh, and it follows this, this trope uh, that I, that I've seen like in episodes of the twilight zone and a few other things where you give, someone with the temperament of a child like absolute power like like there's a there's a whole episode of the twilight zone where like this kid can straight up just delete people from existence and like <laughs> his whole family is like bowing to him because this kid has no understanding of of what everything really means uh didn't the simpsons parody that yes probably. They yeah they did and but this thing is like it's kind of a classic horror trope and the, the same thing is happening with nano uh where you have yeah this this thing it's a child and can be easily influenced or you know thrown one way or the other and but it's he's incredibly powerful and and so yeah like i don't know it's just i think it's really cool and, and so i really enjoy the character because i i think they did a great job of creating a villain that you feel sorry for uh you know a frankenstein a frankenstein's monster i guess is really what, what frankenstein is but. oh i didn't feel sorry for nano Oh, that's too bad. You should. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean that. That's that's a good way to put it. Like it's, I didn't get all of that from the episode, but uh, that is that is a good um, kind of interpretation of like what what they were going for. Well, I, I think the episode is very much pro. Let's murder Nano. Yeah, because like everybody sure is genuinely like <laughs> the worst with Nano. <laughs> well, the thing is, like the turtles. I mean, what what are you supposed to do with like you know a raging, a raging I mean, toddler that? I is mean, actually, like, Don, Donatello like, harnessed Nano as his like best friend. Yeah, like Donatello was already thinking of like how to make a you know those crystals into a power source that they found. Like, 
I'm sure Donatello could have figured out something. We just literally saw the shell cycle and the battle shell like get made. Like, I'm sure Donatello could have tried to contain it somehow. Though, but, having just read the you know the volume four comics, um, we know Donatello is also a monster who locks up living creatures in a yeah. I was gonna say like. I was going to say, like, oh. we saw Donatello keep a piece, uh, you know, keep Baxter Stockman's brain alive, you know, like, that would have, even that kind of curiosity, like, if if they were already doing that in, well, that, because that, that came after the show. Um, so, it would have been interesting to see, like, the seeds kind of planted for that here, though. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the other thing that I that I like that I just noticed in this episode is just April's theme, the the guitar riff that they have going on when they first show up to the second time around. Uh, I I like her theme. I like that guitar riff. It sounds really nice. Oh, I didn't even notice. Me either. All the music in this show kind of blends together to me, unless it's like the Nano theme, or that banger theme song, or the Shutter theme. Yeah, or the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I noticed that every time too. Mostly because like I think Mike hammered it into my brain. Mm-hmm. You mean the sound effect that Spencer's going to put right here? No, oh, jeez. All right. Well, hopefully <laughs> there. There, there I clapped so you could know where to cut it in. Cody, Cody, just do it. We we don't need the full clip. No, we do. Because I don't want to I can't. My nope. boy, I can't that my do that. That was perfect. Was that spot on? Was that an owl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a North Ooh. American barn owl. Because <laughs> that's a really hard noise to make. Because it's like you have to start out you, like strong, but then you have to like t- trail off high. So yeah, and it's like it. They, it's you know, it's meant as like an announcement of something. Like you're you're. It's echoing across like the stage because it was a. It was a kabuki thing. So, yeah, we're si- we're sitting really close to our microphone. <laughs> I'm not gonna scream into it because you got you got to build up to that range. All right, are, are we? Uh, does anyone else have anything to say about Nano? More to say? The right. sword of Tengu. Start yeah. us on the edge of town. I was keep, I keep forgetting that name. <laughs> That's the name of the episode, and I keep calling <laughs> it the sword of Tengu. <laughs> So so skating turtles is just cool. All right. It I love yeah. the turtle skating. Even Leo on the scooter. I love no, <laughs> I love the turtle skating. Game. I don't love Leo on the scooter. <laughs> he should yeah, have he should that. he should have a skateboard. I, I I don't know. I like all of them having their own like thing that they skate on though. That's kind of like their their thing. Because it's like the weapons, you know, but with but with bikes and stuff, it's just fun. Uh but the only I don't just like the fact that they skate. I love the skate fighting like my inner child like fighting while skating at the same time is still super cool to me (laughs) (laughs) i i still love like the idea of you know michelangelo coming up on a skateboard and and beating a guy over the head with it uh or or you know just using it while he's fighting um that stuff is fun and cool the other detail that that i liked out of that though is that all the turtles kind of start using their their skating stuff to fight except for Leo. And I feel like that's a characterization thing, right? Where he takes things more seriously and is more like just rigid kind of thing. While the, the other turtles are, are a lot less so and, and are kind of having some fun while, while fighting. Yeah. Though I feel like if you were going to fight with any of those 
implements. Like the Razor scooter would be the way to go. Like it's oh yeah. It's basically like a three segmented staff kind of thing. Legs. Yeah, that thing Anybody hurts if you knock around, people on the shins. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's got a handle. It's lightweight. It can like wrap around a dude's neck. It's got a long, broad metal part and a pole and stuff like that. That could take someone out pretty. Yeah, good. it's basically a big tonfa. Yeah. Uh, I do like the Donatello's bike is collapsible. Uh, this was where I learned that collapsible bikes existed. <laughs> do you have a collapsible bike? I've always wanted one and I was trying to find one a long time ago because it was like practical for me for work. Sure. Uh, You're that that's so you. That's like the micest thing ever. Like, because I, I, because I found a practical use for it. I can imagine you in the office like saying goodbye to your coworkers and then you smugly unfold your bike and just <laughs> right well, off like, okay. So I used to work I used to work at uh, a hotel at the beach. Um and the hotel didn't have its own parking. And so, like, we had to park, like, you either had to pay for a parking pass, like, pay the city for a parking pass, or park in the neighborhood behind the hotel. And, but the thing was, it was the beach. So, everybody parked there. And this is where, like, the U.S. National Open of Surfing was every year. So, during those, you know, during that time, parking was impossible. Like, there was one time I parked, like, two miles away from work. (laughs) And I was like... This would be perfect if I had a bike. It was like a mile, uh, not two miles. Um, but I was like, this would have been perfect if I had a bike. And so I just considered like having a full a collapsible bike in the back of my car, you know, just kind of like behind the seats, you know, just for that kind of occasion. But now I don't work there anymore. So I didn't have, so I never did it. Some dreams just never come true, Mike. I know. I found one for $112 on Amazon. That's it's quite a bit lower than I've seen them in other places. Yeah, I was so. going to say, because that's the other thing, is like collapsible bikes, yeah, collab- like the better, bigger collapsible bikes, like the one Donatello uses, like those are like way expensive. Um, but then you, you can get like a collapsible mini bike for about that price. But it just it just looks like a child's bike because like the wheels are like five inches big. This is a 26 inch one. I don't know. They don't have like weird silhouette view, you know, but yeah, seems like it's for an adult. Um, I like um, the atheist Don. I'm always happy to see obnoxious Don pointing out what something that's like probably clearly magic, and he's like, um, it's not magic, it's probably this. <laughs> it's, just, <Yeah. laughs> it's definitely science that we haven't, you know, haven't figured out yet. Man, I can't believe you guys. Ruining it for the listeners. Hey, now I, I'd Spencer's gonna bleep. Cody, Spencer's gonna right? bleep those bits out. So, well, cool. the good thing is if anybody else, not even worse to... because we'll all be like, "Well, Shredder's a bleep," you know. That's then it builds suspense. What are we alluding <laughs> to? The good thing is that uh, this show is incredibly easy for people to watch and catch up on nowadays. Uh, now that you can watch it on Paramount Plus, that's not a sponsorship. That's just I just wanted to mention that. Plus it has all the bumpers. It it got with yeah with the loud bumper. <laughs> so make sure you have that remote handy while you're watching it. Uh, yeah, they were so loud again. <laughs> I it's not. I don't think they're loud. No, but Michaela just confirmed that they're loud. Yeah, I, they're they're at least jarring, and it's like it like takes you out of the episode for like a bit longer than it should. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm either deaf or I just really enjoy bumpers. I think both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a, a bumper aholic. 
<laughs> a, a bumper aficionado. And it's I like, and it's like we talked about, like if it, if this had a commercial uh, in between the bumpers, it it at least wouldn't take you out of it as much as it does because it's like you can you can at least like not pay attention to the commercials. Well, you know, like you, you got a couple minutes. You got a couple minutes. That's like the now, the bumper has to be loud, right? Because how else are you supposed to know that you need to sprint out of that bathroom back to the TV because it's starting True. again? Right. Well, and also, the, the commercials are even louder, so it's, it's just ramping you up and then ramping you back down into the episode, right? Fair, but at the same time, they <laughs> like at the same time they don't need them anymore because the ads that are on Paramount Plus don't even line up with the bumpers. I mean, that would be cool for you, but I still enjoy bumpers because someone who suffered through the tyranny of commercials, which we're bringing back, yay for us, um, when you see a bumper, it's like, this is where a commercial would have been, but I'm getting right back to the action. (laughs) Awesome. Which like would be fine if the bumpers added anything, but like these bumpers don't add anything. Like they're literally just to announce like when the commercials would be. But because I like, now, I, I think because now the commercials aren't lined up with the bumpers, it makes it even worse. If I it's ever just, make a TV show, I'm gonna put in artificial bumpers for no reason. It's just a reminder of our freedom now. You know that's all. yes. Spencer yeah. gets it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, um, I went into this hoping I could um, speak badly about the show a lot, but I find myself liking it, and I find that personally devastating, because I was hoping to be able to harass 2003 fans a lot more. And I mean, was, I'm enjoying this character me. growth for myself. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> hate what I'm watching so far. I, I mean, it's still not my favorite TMNT, um, but like having being able to watch it as we are and kind of doing the research behind everything and having more context now for a lot of stuff. Um, I, I am appreciating it more. So, uh, like I said, character growth for me, I, I didn't hate nano. So I think that's a win for everybody. <laughs> I didn't hate the innocent creature that deserved to live. Good job, Mike. <laughs> nano, the episode, not nano, the character. Mm, I don't know. Well, you should know. I just told you. Anyway, uh, yeah. Keith, take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All right. So uh, in the big news this week, uh, we talked about it last week, how uh, issue 150 is going to be the end of the current volume for Ninja Turtles uh, and how IDW is going to be relaunching the brand into essentially the next volume, uh, starting with the brand new number one, uh, which is funny because I just finished listening to the 2003 episode and <laughs> we're, you know, we're talking in like, I think it was like the bonus content. Me and Spencer are both like, yeah, I think it's going to go past 151. <laughs> Well, I, I was saying I thought it was going to relaunch with the number one, like that it's just going to continue. And I was right. No, I, in know. the audio, you do say you think it'll go past 150. I, I, ju- no. I just listened to it a few hours ago. I mean, in the chat, Spencer was definitely very pro. Like, they're just going to start restart the numbering in the chat. But in the, in the audio I that made. was published. So, oh. Oh. well, the TikTok I made aged like wine. So I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> 
So the <laughs> uh, so we we had uh, pondered who the new writer for the series was going to be uh, because we know Stof- Sophie is stepping down, uh, and the writer was announced and it is going to be Eisner winning uh, Jason Aaron, who I'm a huge fan of, and that was really surprising uh, because. I think this is the most prolific comic book writer to take on the turtles. Yeah, definitely. Like, like the mainstream book. Yeah. Like aside from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, this is probably like the biggest name that, that we've had on the book, uh, which is exciting. I mean, it makes me wonder if IDW is, especially with the last Ronin has realized like, Oh, this is something worth paying extra talent for that can bring in more people because people care about this thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jason Aaron, I've, I've read his, some of his star Wars stuff. I liked that. Uh, I've been reading Batman off world lately and I really like Batman off world so far. I've only read two issues, but I, yeah. I really like it. Uh, I posted on our Twitter, um, just kind of our recommendations. If you have never read uh Jason Aaron book before, uh, I'm a huge fan of his Wolverine and the X-Men run, uh, from like way back in like 2012. Um, and then, uh, he is the one that created like Jane Foster Thor, um, which was huge. Uh, and then also, yeah, I, I recommended Batman off world cause of Spencer. And then also like his original book, Southern bastards. Um, so like just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's written just tons of stuff. Uh, and won an award for it. Eisner is like the highest award you can win in comics. Uh, so really excited to see when he takes that on, uh, takes on the book fully. Uh, an artist has not been announced yet. And IDW teased uh, who it could be by posting a silhouette of what we assume is Leonardo. Uh, that's presumably drawn by the artist and asked everyone to take a guess at it. Uh, so, uh, but as of now, as of this recording, they have not announced the uh, who that artist is. Do you have any predictions, guys? I was going to say, I wonder if Peter David's spinning in his grave since we said that Jason. I, the most okay, so that's why that's why I had to that's why I had to point out. I said on the main book. Yeah, because Peter, Peter David only wrote the 2003 adaptation, yeah. and his talent was was wasted on those in my opinion yeah uh, yeah i think so too not great writer not not the best series yeah well it's just not the best use of someone who's a great writer is to just be like yeah adapt a cartoon yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you know, that's, word that's, for word i think, I think we're saying the same thing yeah yeah totally. that's a weird thing to do <laughs> yeah like you get peter david to pretty much just rewrite a cartoon for a comic book that yeah yeah when i read an interview with stephen murphy because he was like i'll do it and the publisher was like no we need a we need a big name on this on this yeah. comic." So. that was part of the problem with dreamwave is they were they were trying to chase that money chase that bag uh michaela do you read the idw comic i do i haven't kept up with it as much as i wish um but i've been reading it like kind of randomly um i have a tattoo that Sophie Campbell drew of Leonardo. Ooh. But, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Like her, like her more rounded style or like the, or like her current style. The more, the more rounded style. 
Yeah, I, I like I like her early stuff, like the in the earlier issues, like issue like twenty seven. Um, like I think like I I really like that um that early Northampton stuff for her. Um, but also I'm a huge fan of her later stuff too. Um, but you should because it. I I mean I love the whole book. I mean everyone knows there's opinions on it and whatever. Uh, but I I I've enjoyed it. So. I'm glad that it's I'm glad it is that it's getting such a big prolific relaunch. Uh, and Sophie actually just announced today that uh, or yesterday that she finished her draft for 150. So like her first draft. So it looks like it's almost in the can. Which like if the episode, if the book is coming out in April, that's you know, only only two and a half months from now. Mm-hmm. Three and a half months from now. I know how time works. <laughs> They could always delay it as is TMNT tradition. I, you know, I think because it's tied to like the 40th anniversary, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to delay it. Yeah. I mean, like other, like hell's going to have to freeze over before they try before they admit to delaying <laughs> this book. <laughs> Maybe they'll release, they could, they could delay it and then release 150 at the same time as issue one. Cause like, cause May is the 40th anniversary and I think the next, I think Jason Aaron's first issue is slated for June and then the new TMNT number one is going to be July. I think that's what I heard the, the rollout's going to be. Yeah, that sounds about right. From what I've read too. Which, which we've talked about before, like how the solicitations are coming out, which is why like IDW is making these announcements. So it's like, they should be announcing the artist like really soon because like the solicitation for the post one fifty stuff should be coming out soon. So yeah, we'll see. We will keep everyone posted. All right. Anything else in the news? Uh, we do have some toy news. Um, the turtles of Grayskull line from Mattel. Um, we've seen the packaging of Slaker. Revealed by the packaging designer Manuel Eduardo Caritas. Um, Slaker slash Faker is a deluxe figure. So he comes with a metal bottle um, build-a-figure piece, which is the head. And it looks like the hips and then thigh figure. Super cool. Um, No word on the release yet, but he's showing up in the target system. So it could be soon. And then, uh, for folks who are fans of the NECA tune line, Evil Rex 1, which is like the 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 black with the red eyes evil rex he went on stock went in stock today on target.com i think he went out of stock but yeah so i guess he's out currently and might be seeing him in stores yeah i've seen some uh i've seen some people finding him in stores already as well uh so that i mean that's exciting i've seen a lot of people talking about like they want to army build it but it's like that's a 50 dollar figure i'm yeah, not it's a- that's an expensive army. <laughs> and it's like, if you want to accurately arm, army build it, you got to buy like 48 of them. <laughs> I think somebody like did the math on it and like the screen caps. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be, uh, I don't think I'll be purchasing that one. Cause I don't, I don't think NECA is producing that one in the numbers that people need to accurately army build that. Yeah, probably. But, not. And I would, I would guess the toy general, the whole like toy industry is going to contract a little bit in terms of. But quality. it's it's using the sewer heroes like style box for the ultimates, not like the, uh, 
not like the other the the normal ultimates the vhs style box yeah it's using the sewer heroes which is like a different kind of vhs box so uh, i'm curious yeah is yeah. the only other sewer heroes the glow in the dark muckman or not Muckman? yeah yeah muckman right yeah they're using sewer heroes as just like alternate versions of existing characters I mean, maybe, but it's like, I mean, yeah, like maybe. Who knows? All right, then. That's it for our news, yeah? Yeah. Well, I think that's it for the entire episode. So, uh, Michaela, thank you for joining us. Um, it was a lot of fun having you on. It's always, it's always nice, nice to have more people here. Yeah, it was very fun. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, so Michaela, if people want to like find you and be able to look more into your your content, your TikToks, other things, where can they find you? Um, my TikTok is Michaela. Please no, and that's like N O, not K N O W. Um, pretty much just post like little TikTok informations about Ninja Turtles, just whatever I'm really into. Uh, but mostly Ninja Turtle stuff. So yeah, thank you again for for coming on the show. Like Mike said, it's been been a lot of fun. Uh, if you ever want to come back on or have a specific episode that you'd love to uh, talk about of any of any turtles thing in the future, just you let want, us know. Yeah, if you want to talk about any turtles thing, just let just us know. Know. One day You'll have to future. hit me up for 2012 again. Yeah, it, it might be years <laughs> till we get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Spencer yeah. wants to go through all of 2003, so it'll be a bit before we get to 2012. Well, so uh, yeah. it will it will take us about a year and a half to two years to get through two thousand. Oh, actually, be about two years, maybe two and a half to get through two thousand three. Now that I say it out loud, but yeah, still nothing compared to the eighty seven series. Yeah, still nothing compared to that. Cool. But I mean, we got a new TV show coming out soon, so oh, maybe mm-hmm. we want to do a special episode on that. All right, yeah, so Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going back to the comic books. So we'll be covering issues four, five, and six of volume four of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I thought you were going to name one of those up. I was like, no, wait, those are comics. Yeah. Uh, so guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We really appreciate it. Michaela, thank you again for uh, coming on the show. Um, like I said, go, go check her out on TikTok, guys. Uh, we'll also repost a couple uh, videos of hers that we like because that's what the community is for. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but thank you. We love you. Uh, and we'll see you next week. So that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Certified, certified. Booyakasha. Hot soup. So this is Craig. He records us. Gotcha. He's yep. a little he's a little mm-hmm. chatty sometimes, but just ignore him. Gotcha. <laughs> is he named Craig by default or did somebody pick that? Uh, it's it's by default. Yeah, whoever wherever I got this bot from.
Yeah, I, I, Did I don't you know. rename him? No, no, he just came with the name Craig, and he is Craig. Oh, uh, at this point, if you could change the name, would you? Or are you too attached to Craig? I'm, I'm too attached to Craig. I think it's a beautiful name. <laughs> I agree. I think it's a beautiful name. And if we've learned anything from these episodes, is that we shouldn't destroy AI. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't try and attack it. Yeah. Mike would destroy it. Well, cool. Should we get started on the episode then? Uh, I'm almost done with my <laughs> almost done with your review. <laughs> yeah, just all a few few more seconds. I'm at well, the junkyard part. But he's writing stuff right now. Like a blistering, like you you read it in like the newspaper, like after the episode aired, like what the critics thought, and Mike's devastating article. So it, it is wild because right now, so I've been doing like a near complete read through of of DC's universe. I don't know the characters that interest me with DC's universe. <laughs> Uh, starting from Crisis on Infinite Earths, trying to get caught up to now, and I am actually in where we're starting with uh, with Volume Four in the comic books. How we've been talking about them, and so I that, that's the same year that I'm reading these, and it's wild that like our worlds at war happened exactly when like 9/11 happened, like because it's like a whole event where this guy's coming to destroy our planet, but it's also talking about like how we have a bunch of conflict going on in the middle East and how things are boiling over. And then like literally like the next month, nine 11 happened. Anyway, I don't know. I just wasn't around then. So I don't know how much, well, I was around, but I don't remember anything from nine 11. And so it's like, I, w- was there a whole lot of like news stuff going on where people were talking about issues in the middle East or. I mean, Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a a troubled place for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, and even before like nine eleven, like there was like the World Trade Center bombing and stuff like that. So okay, it it wasn't, and there was like different like wars and like Desert Storm. So like stuff was definitely going down there. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, well, I already knew like yeah the the Desert Storm stuff had already happened. I guess I just didn't know if like things were starting already starting to like boil a bit more again there beforehand because i would argue that the water was always boiling and and 9-11 was just like when america cared in particular because something happened on our soil Hmm. yeah i just didn't know if it was like in the news a lot at the time or not because it just kind of comes up and then boom like the the next month after that issue you know after it starts 9-11 happened yeah, I mean, and, I would I would assume it was, but probably not then, quite as the same. Yeah, but even then, like, the story is all about, like, everyone uniting and, you know, from all sides and everything else, you know, getting together. Yeah. To save save the Earth. Uh, Michaela, sorry, uh, if I can ask, uh, how old are you? Uh, I am 21, so I was not 21. born during 9-11, yeah. Gotcha, no worries. Yeah, Spencer Spencer is the youngest one on the on the podcast. I'm... 38 so been here forever uh 9-11 was more than 21 years ago Mm. uh yeah it'll be 23 years i was born in 2002 wow 2002 so you're i think you're as old as my youngest brother then so i'm 26 i think yeah yeah Yeah. i think because <laughs> okay. you finally hit that age where you forgot yeah. what age you are. Yeah, there you yeah, go. It's happening. Calculate the year. There you go. 
I'm I'm past all the important milestones. Welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, who? Uh, Ayla, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This was really cool. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. You could always talk over us, you know, and interject. Like we interrupt each other all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the way the show works. <laughs> It's it's hard because like we don't have cameras on, so it's like we're not looking at each other. Yeah, so like sometimes like you can't tell like the delay, and we all just we all has a have a rule that you can always cut off mic because it's just it's fine. Yeah, because I'm gonna I'm gonna talk anyway. So <laughs> he's just trying <laughs> to bring up a gargoyles reference, so it doesn't really matter. It's fine. I'm sorry that this show is full of gargoyles references. <laughs> It's not all like it's road, a tangent. It's literally relevant to gargoyles. Gargoyles did it first. I thought it was funny when I used to have to shoehorn in the rise references, but I don't need to do that anymore. Well, Keith, your thing is like the Simpsons and Futurama. It, it's it's Matt. Grady. Oh, okay. There we go. That's hey, your thing. There it is. Okay. That's your that thing. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for giving me the awareness of that. Michaela, what would be your weird thing that like you always bring up? Alvin and the Chipmunks. Ooh. I was going to say, I've seen some of your TikToks through Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things that I know a lot of stuff about, and it's funny that I know it, because it's like, everyone knows Alvin and Chipmunks, but they don't get it like me. Like, I know the lore. <laughs> the lore. <laughs> there, that's it. If you no, know that's the good. lore that's of good. something. Are you talking about, like, the in-universe lore, or, like, the, like... The Bagdasarian, like lore. Both. Both. Oh, um, yeah. No, I love I love the history behind it, but I also the like you know in cartoon lore, whatever is also very mm. fun to me. Okay, uh, is the uh, soundtrack for the Chipmunk Adventure the greatest of all time, or the greatest of all time? Oh. Definitely the greatest of all time. I literally have a poster of that in my room, mm. as well as I have the CD. Like, I have a CD of a bunch, or a, a CD case of a bunch of their music. I also have mm. a bunch of their vinyls. Like, I love that. Ugh. I think I think you and I, I think you and I can be friends, because uh, I loved the Chipmunk Adventure. I remember I showed it to my wife for the first time, not too long ago, because uh, she had never seen it. And... God, that movie, that movie just holds up. It's still so good. It is. It's really good. And one of my favorites is Alvin Chimunks Meet the Wolfman. Also a good like, one. Yeah, that's like my favorite. Like when when both of my siblings were born, I was watching that movie. I I mean, because I grew up with the the Alvin and the Chipmunks like TV show too, like the the original one. Yeah, uh, the uh, 50s or the uh sorry, 80s the 80s, the eighties one. The the because well, the original the fifties one wasn't was it Alvin and the Chipmunks in the fifties? Um, it was it was called like the Alvin Show. Yeah, um, yeah, but because it, it wasn't uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks until the eighties. It goes all yeah. the way back to the fifties. Yeah, dude. Yes. Like That's it's nice. their dad. Like it's was it Roger Bectasarian? Yeah. So um, it's Ross. Um. He created them. He, you probably know the song "Witch Doctor." Mm-hmm. Um, he he wrote that song and he did it with like a, a sped up voice soundtrack. Um, 
didn't think it would get too popular, but then it got really popular. So he was like, what if I just created little guys for this? And he yeah. did. And then, and then he passed away and his son took over the business. But yeah, like it's, it's, uh, was it, uh, cause it was the Christmas album too. Like the, um, like Santa don't be late. <laughs> yeah. Um, like stuff like that, like goes back all those years. And then it was like, I think the seventies were pretty quiet. And then like the eighties was the big relaunch for them. Yeah. Yeah. They got a relaunch, um, because a radio show did a little like, funny prank where they just sped up one of their rock songs and was like, oh, the chipmunks are coming back. But then so many people actually were excited that they actually brought the chipmunks back. Ah, see? That's cool. I love stuff like that. Where they, like, accidentally reignite something. See, I get that, because, like, that's that's Ninja Turtles for me, is, like, the thing where it's, like, I know so much about, like, the history and the lore and everything, and then you know, you, then you got to find people that actually want to want to listen to it as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd listen to a podcast on Alvin the Chipmunks. That's pretty yeah, cool. No, it's, it does sound cool. Like, I, no, I, I actually pretty interested. That actually sounds really interesting. But I'm already I'm already kind of built in because yeah, you know, I said I love that movie. Have you seen this movie, Spencer? Like Chipmunk Adventure? Like that's a that's a good '80s like animated movie. I, I remember it's free on YouTube. Is it really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I feel remember, like buying the DVD. I remember wanting to see it as a kid because there was a trailer for some Alvin and the Chipmunks TV show, or or not, or movie or something like that in in one on one of our VHSs, and I thought that it looked awesome, but could never see it. And then, so like my my only experience with Alvin and the Chipmunks is the live action movies. Oh, so no, I saw the, the first one. Is David Cross in, in, in those? What's that? David, David Cross. Cross he, yeah, he was in, he was in the the live action ones. Are they any good? I, I remember uh, liking the first one. Yeah, I I like them. I really like the third one, but um, they kind of didn't do the characterization of the girls well. In yeah. my opinion. What are the girls' uh, names? I used to watch Alvin and the Chipmunks all the time. Uh, like Brittany. Yeah. Brittany. Jan- yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they, they have their own like? Band name that they call themselves collectively? The, the Chipettes, yeah. The Chipettes. Yeah. And Which, I, like, the boys and girls of rock and roll, that's the best song. Yeah. That's, that's... yeah. See, one of the things that, like, I love the, you know, new revamp. Like, I love whenever a show gets revamped or a movie or whatever. But the thing with the Chipmunks is when they did it live action, they kind of just watered down their character traits i guess um so the green girl her name is eleanor Eleanor. yeah she's supposed to be like the counterpart of theodore um and in the movie they made her just kind of be like oh she's plus sized and fat and shy and that's pretty much it like she she was basically like rebel wilson wasn't she yeah um she was I forget who played her, but she like she was just not really cool, I guess. But her whole thing is she's supposed to be sporty. Oh. Like like that's her normal character creator. She's like athletic, strong, and almost like the 
like motherly figure almost like and they just didn't do that in the movies yeah but I wouldn't say that they're bad necessarily do you like if they did three they must have done really well they did four actually oh dang the the fir- I remember the first one like making a ton of money. Oh, it did! Um, it made a ton of money. Yeah. Do you like the chipmunks more when they are um, like actual chipmunks or like mutant children? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I kind of like them when they're mutant children a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Same. How would they yeah. mutant children? What's the law? I know that they're... mutant children is an option. That's that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like the so like the original chipmunks are all like they're they're human size, like they're the size of human children, and they're like they don't have like other than like a chipmunk nose and like teeth and like ears, they're they're kids. But in mm-hmm. like the live action movies, they made them like actual like chipmunks the size of chipmunks and there's really yeah, like they, they did that for the uh the new show too the alvin and the chipmunks show oh the cartoon network one mm-hmm. oh see I, I i saw it and i didn't care for the design so i, I never checked it out yeah i i don't really like it either but i think it's interesting um but i i feel like it's like cooler when they look kind of human but kind of not yeah, and like the best thing is like they never explain where they come from. They don't need like to. They're, it's, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. They're, they just exist, and Dave found them. And they they explain it in the '80s show, but in the '80s show, they're canonly like they're literally just chipmunks. Like that, there's no explanation on why they kind of look human. They are just chipmunks that look human. I don't remember that. You outsmarted me. Yeah, they um they have an episode where they're determining when their birthday is. So they track down their bio mom and she is another chipmunk, but she kind of looks like Jeanette, I would say. Um, but he gave them up for adoption because they wouldn't have survived the winter. And that's when they found them. Good God. That's, huh. <laughs> that's sad. I don't remember that episode. Yeah. The Chipettes are also orphans, except they were they ran away from an orphanage because they were being mistreated. I also Who do not remember that one. You're so dark. <laughs> Who was their guardian again? It was uh, Miss um, Miss Miller. Miss Miller, that's right. <laughs> God, Miss Miller was. I'm, I'm Miss Miller was funny. She always reminded me of like my aunt. Yeah, I love Miss Miller. That, I had an aunt that looked exactly like that. Anyway, you guys should watch Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's your homework. Like it. wow. It's, I mean, at least, at least the Chipmunk Adventure. But like the eighty, oh, the eighty show, I think did a did a lot of heavy lifting. I think for kind of everybody, like a, a lot of generations for for it. Like, I mean, well, I mean, I don't want to say because like the the original like albums were huge. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think like for. Like and my nostalgia, obviously, is the 80s of stuff. Yeah, and I feel like the 80s cartoon actually kind of covered a lot of like, like they handled a lot of topics well. I mean, they literally had an episode where like their pet died and they discussed that. 
And I felt like you didn't see that a lot in like the 80s shows. I remember know? that episode, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought it was really cool that they did stuff like that. I mean, there were also some episodes where they like, um, there was an episode where Alvin's friends with a kid who has a leg brace, um, but is like in track. And they're just like, they kind of just talk about it, but it's not like, I don't know. I just, I felt like they handled a lot of like things that you don't often see handled in the eighties. Yeah. They were also like the main characters in the cartoon all-stars to the rescue special. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I reference that so often and no one knows what I'm talking about. Oh, no, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're in it more than Michelangelo is. Mm-hmm. They smell the. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word marijuana. Yeah. This is, I mean, yeah, this is the bonus content. Yeah, you could say. It. Okay, yeah, yeah. We curse in the even bonus in the content. Regular, even in the okay, regular sure. content, you can yeah. say marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the fact that we haven't brought up marijuana yet is kind of a testament to how much we've been holding back. I mean, yeah. To be honest, like we don't talk about we don't talk about marijuana. I think I think Cody saying crack den was like the first time we were like, what? <laughs> That was the first like overt drug reference we've ever mentioned. I want to point out that was Spencer who brought it. It was was Spencer. I I got the idea from a comic book called Blood Syndicate. It's a milestone comic book where anyway, there's like a gang, but they like go and they bust crack dens, and that's how they get their money. (laughs) Uh, It's a really interesting comic book. Uh, We're checking out. I think we can. It's safe to assume probably the chipmunks don't aren't busting any crack dens. No, not not normally. No. No, but they. Well, I mean, but they'll talk to you about it. Yeah, definitely. They'll they'll call you out on it. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, I guys. used to enjoy it as a kid, but I I never knew it was as big as it is. So this has been super fascinating to hear. Honestly, yeah, yeah I think. Uh, I think you guys should really check it out. <laughs> Alvin and the Chunks is, is great. And like it's that, free that era. On YouTube. Yeah, especially since it's on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is all going to the bonus content, so we can ask next week. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know what time zone you live in, Michaela, but in mine, it's 10, and I uh, it's almost 10 o'clock here, and I, I get up real early. Yeah, poor, even poor Keith is pushing eight at, at 11 and 12 <laughs> yeah. o'clock. Yeah, no, me too. And I also get, I got a 4 a.m. shift. Uh, oh. Me too. Oof. Well, not 4 a.m. It's 6 a.m. I guess. I have to wake up at 4 a.m. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Who wants uh, Michaela, thank you. Yeah, was... a, a, apply as necessary. I'm just going to sign you all. Yeah, just to, just do the, the yeah, sign whatever. order. Cool. Shazam. All right. All right. Have a good Michaela, night, guys. Michaela, nice thank you. you. Good talking to you. Take care, thank y'all. You guys. Have yeah, a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. Take care, everyone.